ulterior. So, it was my birthday a couple days ago, and for full transparency, I am now 27, which puts me several, several, several years ahead of it being acceptable for me to listen to this kind of music and also produce a podcast for it or be interested in it in any manner. But, uh, I don't know. It, it, it is who I am. It is what I am. And... Uh, yeah, I accept and embrace my elder emo status, which is fucking cringe to say out loud, but again, it is what it is and it be what it be. Um, and that's kind of all that happened last week. Not really much for me to, well, I guess there is some stuff, but I can go into that after the intro, stuff pertaining to some bands and whatnot. Um, but anyways, as far as this particular episode goes, it's episode 50, guys. Oh, holy shit, we made it this far. Why did y'all let me get to 50 of these fucking things? Uh, thank you for that being the case, but still, why? Uh, anyways, for this episode, uh, we got new singles from the likes of MNYS, Rivals, Stick to Your Guns, Lolo, and a couple of others I want to get to, and then brand new records from Glasslands, Papa Roach, Dreamwake, Ali Slater, and Monument of a Memory. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. There come a lot of ups and downs in terms of being attached to this music scene because that word right there, attached, you grow an attachment to these bands. You, I don't want to say like you make these bands part of your identity, even though it's kind of what we all end up doing. But, you know, you see these bands in a very open manner on social media nowadays and you just kind of, like when you find a band that you really fuck with, you can't help but just like, end up gravitating towards them in a manner that might not be healthy in the end. So there can be some heartbreak that comes with that. And we've seen some instances over the last week of that being the case. Um, if you were a major fan of Sleepwaker, uh, I'm really, really fucking sorry because that sucks. Uh, for those who might not know, Sleepwaker was a band who... I gassed up their album from last year called Alias. Uh, it didn't make my top 50 of the year or anything like that, but I do remember it being a really solid metalcore album that I thought showed a lot of promise for the future of Sleepwaker. And then what we found out last week was that the band kicked out their vocalist, Hunter Courtright, because they were looking to go into a direction that didn't uh, have like a, a, a role anymore for screaming vocals and the next thing i knew was just seeing that the band had just outright broken up so it just a, a really really strange situation and it it sucks like i alluded to it really really sucks because you know there goes a, a band who a lot of people were invested in and just wanted to see the best for and yeah i i i can't really say much else because i don't know much else but you know just a shitty situation and then uh i think it was earlier today so i'm recording this on tuesday earlier today we also learned that the vocalist of enterprise earth dan watson has left the band and from my understanding, there was no, uh, you know, tension within any of the members. This was something that was agreed upon by all of them, and it was something that Dan wanted. And in that case, I'm happy that he was able to make what I imagine was a tough decision like this and, you know, be happy with it. And I support Dan and whatever he's going to be doing. Uh, I support Enterprise Earth moving forward with whatever it is they're going to be doing. Um, so, you know, with Enterprise Earth, something like that, th there's no hard feelings whatsoever. Sleepwaker, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but, uh, yeah, kind of sucks. 
and all of my positive energy and good vibes to anybody who was potentially affected by the sudden demise of Sleepwaker and the same vibes to anybody who, uh, you know, had some kind of a reaction to Dan leaving Enterprise Earth. Uh, and that was kind of all I wanted to cover as far as news topics go for the week. Uh, there are quite a few singles and then five records to get through, so I want to kind of not speed through this, but just try to go through everything as quickly and efficiently as I can. And I'm going to start off the way that I do every week, and that is covering the number one ranked song in Scenic Overlook. This time, it comes from MNYS. It is called Panic Again. have exactly one complaint about this song and it is that it is way too short considering how fucking amazing it is um admittedly i have not done as much as i should to give mnys the proper amount of respect that he deserves on this platform i reviewed his single backseat last month but it wasn't highlighted on an episode. It wasn't in Scenic Overlook. I have no fucking idea why that was the case. Because I hear Backseat and it fucking rules. Like genuinely, it, it shows every bit of potential and capabilities of MNYS. And then through Panic Again, which is so like somber and heartfelt. And just tugs at every single heartstring that I w- wish to be tugged at to make me feel the kind of emotional attachment and investment that I have for Panic Again, and an investment that was immediate, guys, let me say that now, just from the opening chords and then hearing Nick's voice come in as beautifully as it does, Panic Again was an easy fucking choice for number one this week, and it gave me the chance to learn even more about MNYS, and I came across his Instagram page, and there's a video he has there talking about how, you know, he was working at Starbucks and, like, emailing everybody that he could that had some kind of name value in the songwriting realm of music, and just the constant grind that he put in to get to where he is now, you know, signed to Pure Noise, putting out amazing singles like this, and having recognition that is only going to continue to grow. Panic Again... Like I said, the only complaint I would have is that it's really short. You get a good taste of the acoustic portion of it in the first half. The instrumentals come in, not like massively in any kind of this grandiose manner, but just with enough of a bounce to understand the difference in sections that Panic Again is split into. It's so soothing and heartfelt and just the kind of song that really does a lot to just kind of bring me to the verge of tears, but not in any way that makes me have any bit of disdain for this song. I love when music is able to move me the way that Panic Again did. This song is incredible. I love it. I love what MNYS is doing. I'm not even sure if I'm saying the name I'm supposed to. Is it MNYS? Is it Menis? Is it something else? Whatever the case is, it is fucking quality. You know something else that was fucking quality last week? The brand new single from Rivals called Dark Matter. I do not think that Rivals have been given their flowers in the exact way that they've earned up to this point. Uh, So last year, they had the album Sad Looks Pretty On Me, which had just a a plethora of songs that still resonate with me heavily to this day, like the title track, like Fake Rich, like fucking Little Mistakes, one of my overall favorite songs from 2021. Rivals have it fucking down, dude. They've got their sound. They've got the the charisma to them the personality all of that shines through and not just through kaylee wolf but through every other member as well rivals is one of the most complete packages that feel like they still have yet to be unearthed by the scene at large and my hope for dark matter is that this is the kind of song that can open more eyes and ears 
to the amazing foundation that has been built by rivals. Something that I love so much about Dark Matter, and I don't know if anybody who has heard this song would agree with me on this notion, but the there's like a 90s aura in some way to the instrumentation, specifically the guitar tone that you can hear throughout the chorus, and how it's the perfect accompaniment to Kaylee delivering those lines, and just the way that Dark Matter comes together like any other rival song, and it's just so cool to see a band continue to shine and deliver this exceptional material the way that rivals continue to do. Um, like I said already, I don't think they've been given their flowers properly yet. That has to change in the future, the near future preferably, but I, I need more people on the rivals train. Uh, this was a big week for 60 Year Guns. We have the announcement of a brand new album called Spectre out July 29th. And alongside that was the new single for the record, Weapon. It's probably a short list of bands who I have more respect and admiration for than Stick to Your Guns. Even if when I think up like my favorite bands ever, they're not going to be one of the ones that come to mind immediately. They have earned every bit of acclaim, not only for myself, but literally everybody else who has ever been exposed to their music. Um, Stick to Your Guns, they're, they're one of those bands that they just never lose sight of who they are or, or what their sound is or who they're playing this music for. They have always been at the top of their game, no matter what year it is, what era. And Weapon is the reaffirmation of all that. I, 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 I'm I, not saying that Weapon is my favorite Six Year Gun song ever because it's definitely not. But I hear this song and I just feel like it's on par with some of the absolutely goaded material this band's ever put out uh just personally songs like the crown or amber or um um against them all struggle to think of that for some reason um weapon it has that same that same effect to it the caliber the quality of it um jesse barnett is one of those guys that like he never has an off day when it comes to recording material, performing it live. He's always right there at the top of the echelon for scene vocalists. It, just everything about Six Year Guns, I respect the fuck out of. And Weapon is as incredible as everything else in their discography. Brand new single out by Lolo. This one is called Junkie. This is the follow-up to Debbie Downer, which is honestly maybe one of my favorite songs of the year so far. Um, and Junkie has every right to be uh, placed into that same exact category. Um, for myself personally, I would put Lolo in that area with Maggie Lineman and Charlotte Sands as like the female side of pop-punk revival that I don't think is getting enough attention or, or definitely not the same attention that like you know mgk Jaden, little huddy those people have um that trio like they fucking they hit they deliver they fucking snapped on everything that they do um junkie is another instance of lolo just being one of the catchiest and like most on the nose artists in the scene right now um, just everything about Junkie lyrically, I think, is, like, so, uh, fitting for the kind of angst that this scene asks for, especially in the chorus. If you were a drug, I'd be a junkie, need you in my veins, floating through my bloodstream, you'd ruin my life, and I'd make my mom sad. This song fucks. 
It's really, really good. I've never been disappointed by anything off of Lolo's discography, whether it be the Overkill EP from last year or Debbie Downer or now Junkie. This woman has some real fucking talent, and I need to see more admiration for that. And I, I guess to continue the theme of women with talent, Alice in Wonderland, brand new single, Forever. This is actually the opening song off of the new Alice in Wonderland record called Loner, dropping on May 6th. And hearing it in, like, that context, yes, absolutely fuck yes, this is an album opener. This is the exact kind of message you want to be delivering to an audience right when they press play on a full-length project of yours. Um, so, Forever, Allison explained, like, pretty thoroughly in an interview with Forbes about what the song sounds like, or, or what it means, rather. Um, and, and she mentioned that it was conceived in the drive-thru of a Starbucks, and this is an exact quote from her. I was crying to Trevor, being like, I don't know why nothing is going right for me, I don't get it, it feels like this is gonna happen forever because I keep trying and nothing's working. And he looked at me and he was like, it will feel like forever until it doesn't. So that, uh, that last line, it will feel like forever until it doesn't, is kind of what this whole song is built around, not just lyrically, but I think instrumentally you can also pick that up from how just slow and laid back the verses are, and that really, really allows Allison the proper amount of time and space to get across everything that she needs to. And then even when the drop comes in, it's not so, like, just ear-blasting the way that electronic music sometimes can be. It's just all so peaceful and enchanting and really, really layered and beautiful on top of all of that. Um, I, I, Forever might actually be my favorite song so far off of the cycle for loner i just feel like this is allison kind of operating at the highest level that i i've seen of her um you know when i think of like my favorite allison songs i'm i'm talking like church and peace uh fuck you love you which dropped very late into 2021 forever it, it holds up very very well to that material and i am so wildly goddamn excited for Loner to drop next month. And Allison is not the only act with a record out May 6th that also belongs to Silverstein. Uh, they have Misery Made Me out that same day. We got a new single out from them. It is called Die Alone. It features Andrew Neufeld from Comeback Kid, and that's really, really important to highlight because I feel like his influence on this track is felt all throughout it. So Comeback Kid, they kind of embody hardcore punk and just like the punk scene in general. Silverstein, they do not, but for at least this one song, they do. It's fast-paced and energetic and chaotic in ways that Silverstein tracks normally aren't, it's quite vastly different from other songs off of this record so far, like Ultraviolet and It's Over. Die Alone kind of stands in its own category, and, and I really, really like that for this song. I like that we're seeing a different side from Silverstein, them experimenting with something new as part of Remade in Misery, or Misery Made Me. Remade in Misery is the Memphis Mayfire one. I will forever be so... uh weirdly up in arms over those two records having very very similar names and dropping around the same time uh but back to silverstein uh die alone really good song i love the chances taken with it i think andrew's influence on this track paid fucking dividends and we're gonna see some more incredible material come out of this band on may 6th the final single that i will be giving its own spotlight to comes from drip it so pretty and it is called betrayed 
That's why you my evil twin Look me in my eyes I know I made you feel again I don't need your lies Cause I done heard a million And I'm not feeling right Cause you just up there left again You just up there left again Everything I never said Is there any room in hell Cause I'm not heaven sent Feel like I'm never who I mistakenly refer to as dripping so pretty in the scenic overlook posts on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that was my bad. I fucked up. It is what it is. So, um, the other day there was this tweet by double XL and it was like, just like this little questionnaire for people about like your favorite rapper of all time, the most overrated rapper, who you think is the goat, you know, just certain categories like that. One of them was most underrated rapper, and for a second, I considered putting Drippin' So Pretty on there, because I genuinely do think that, like, he is overrated in some ways, and his material that is really, really good, it's not being heard by nearly enough people, um, but that's about the material of his I would classify as being good. He's not that consistent. I've heard some good stuff out of him, I've also heard some fucking mid to be honest but when Drippin' So Pretty is good he's fucking great and Betrayed is one of the easiest songs I've ever been able to classify as being great out of his catalog um it, it, it just has like that emo hip-hop flair that I don't really hear so much nowadays but whenever I hear somebody like Drippin' So Pretty doing it immaculately well in this manner it's both nostalgic to like four years ago, five years ago, but also it keeps me grounded in today's modern scene age. It is able to kind of just show me like, hey, there are so many different sectors of this music scene that you're dedicating so much time and energy and passion into. And there's something out there for everybody. You know, Drip So Pretty can appeal to somebody who doesn't even really fuck with scene music. And I, I love that ability of his to kind of expand outwards. Uh, but, you know, he needs the audience to be able to do that. He needs the reach. And with more songs like Betrayed, I think he can get there. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. The Deep Blue Silent by Alt. Omen by Bullfry Valentine. Blinded by Ablaze by Caven. Poltergeist by Corpse featuring Omen 8. Run by Colt, Die Out Here by Dwayne featuring Poor Stacy, Spaceman by Electric Callboy featuring Finch, Fake by I Set to Kill, Tentacion by Imminence, Fumes by Jutes, Limbo by Jutes, MIA by K. Williams, Help Yourself by Live Conform Die, Decode by Ozacia, which is a Paramore cover, Dying to Watch by Patient 67 and Saving Vice, Happier in Hell by Royal and Serpent, Bringer by Sable Hills, Damage Plan by Saving Vice and Patient 67, Tidal Wave by Savior, Down Bad by Sorry X featuring Titus, Boundless Contempt by Terror, Era by The Fame, Stop It by Travi McCoy, Tell Me the Truth by Two Feet, A New Responsibility by Upon a Burning Body, into the Dark by Void of Vision, and I Don't Belong Here by Weeping Wound. And as I was going through all that, I realized that I accidentally forgot to mention a song in that social media post, and it was My Resolve by Set for Tomorrow, which was also a good song, so it does rank in the same 4 slash 5 echelon as everything else there. Um, but yeah, another successful week of singles, and I apologize for my fuck up there. So I'm going to go ahead and get into some records now. There were five to cover last week, and I'm going to start off with one that I didn't even know it was a thing until Thursday, and my immediate reaction was that it was going to go one of two ways. I was either going to really, really like it or just feel whatever about it, and ultimately the latter is pretty true to my feelings. Um, it is the brand new album by Papa Roach called Ego Trip.
all of you listening right now, you know who Papa Roach is, whether you know the hits, Last Resort, Scars, Forever, or the Deep Cuts, One Track Mind. Um, I, I don't know any other Papa Roach Deep Cups off the top of my head, but they're there. Legacy, that's a really good fucking one. Um, but either way, this is a band that has kind of been like constant within the scene. Not really constant in the sense that they've been consistent with their material because they definitely, definitely have not been. But there have been times, even in recent memory, where Papa Roach drops something and it's genuinely heat. Like, actually really, really fucking good. They had a record five years ago. It was called Crooked Teeth. And there are quite a few songs on there that I still go back to often to this day the american dream and help being the two main ones no no cap guys help is one of my favorite songs of last decade just all together everything about that song hits perfectly um and then they followed it up with the album who do you trust back in 2019 and one of the singles on there called not the only one i think that's the name of it i really really enjoy that song and the rest of the album happened, and no attachment whatsoever. Just completely forgettable. I could not tell you guys a single thing about anything outside of the aforementioned song, because it was just so unremarkable. And I think for that reason, I didn't really follow along too closely with the rollout for Ego Trip. Um, the singles that I did review prior were Swerve and Stand Up, Swerve features Fever 333 and Swaco, so even if Papa Roach aren't operating at like their finest on their own in that track, there are at least other entities to help elevate it. Um, ha- having said that, Stand Up, it's just okay. L- like It's just really whatever. Uh, I think that and Bloodline easily stand out to me as the weakest songs on the record. Um, but since I'm going to mention the weakest ones, I do want to go ahead and talk about the strongest, in my opinion, that being Unglued. Unglued is one of the best Papa Roach songs I've ever listened to. I think there are a ton of really cool and fun things happening throughout it. Um, one of the biggest factors in that being the chorus and like the swing rhythm that it has. It's just like really, really, really cool, in my opinion. There are still a bunch of other shining moments on the album, like on the opener, Kill the Noise, which has it, this fucking stellar-ass chorus. Um, the Okay, so the last stretch of songs that go from Leave a Light On through I Surrender, that acts as maybe the most consistent strand on Ego Trip because of the variety found there. Like, on Leave a Light On, you get this acoustic showcase, uh, and then something more like pop and radio oriented in the songs Always Wondering and No Apologies. Um, Cut the Line, I would say that one is like a kind of the fine line between Ego Trip's heavy and soft moments. And then I Surrender being this emphatic closer that feels kind of like the may- maybe like a love letter to the new metal style that Papa Roach, they didn't like help pioneer but they were really really big in that realm so i i guess my like overall take on ego trip would be that for the most part it's what i expected it's a record that it's just okay i think uh and i say that like with the understanding that there are a lot of songs here that i like right now i don't know the staying power of the record because papa roach and staying power not necessarily something that I would associate with the band. Um, the, the Paramore Sessions and Crooked Teeth, absolutely, they're a staying power. Those two records kind of went above and beyond what I think Papa Roach are capable of at, when they're at their best. Um, it's just hard to really tell what Ego Trip's staying power is going to be, if it's even going to be there outside of Unglued, and then, you know, the songs like uh, Always Wondering and Cut the Line. Mainly Unglued. Like, Unglued is really, really, really fucking sick, guys. I cannot stress that enough. Um, but yeah, for being uh, Papa Roach's whatever number album Ego Trip is, it's fine. It's okay. There was no harm done in listening to this album.
There is the brand new album by Dreamwake called Virtual Reality. So I had no prior knowledge of Dreamwake, and I really only came across this record in the middle of the week on Twitter. I, I thought it was like really strange for the album to drop on not a Friday, but it was able to get my attention at least. And I didn't know what else was dropping for the week, so I went ahead and added it to the playlist and was like, you know, whatever, fuck it, I'll review it. Um, something that I do want to point out real quick about virtual reality is the artwork. Because it is really, really, really fucking dope. I enjoy that, like, um, like the purple hue that it's going for. That kind of retro feel with, like, the, the TV and the, everything that's kind of going on around it. The neon lighting. It, it's just, like, so visually appealing in all the right ways. Um, and it's probably one of the reasons why I even gave this album a chance. If you have a really, really good artwork, and I've never heard of your band before, that's going to do a lot of wonders. I'll just say that now. Um, so, again, no prior knowledge of Dreamwake, so I didn't get a chance to hear any of the singles for Virtual Reality ahead of the release last week. So everything here, first time hearing it, first time experiencing the band, and I got to kind of have like this wide array of emotions. Um, so the opening song, Neon, it is really, really fucking cool, and it has like this mixture of saxophones with synth in the first portion of the track before the rest of the band comes in to give the listener like a real proper taste of what is to come for the rest of virtual reality. Um, Neon is followed by Luna, which really does ramp up the heaviness immediately, and it gives more clear glimpses of Dreamwake's nature before venturing into a clean chorus that... For, for some reason that I can't really pinpoint, it makes me nostalgic of like the early 2010s era of metalcore. Um, and, and then some of the songs thereafter, like Night Rider and Midnight Rain, they do a lot in helping me further understand what some of the material reminds me of, that being kind of a heavier Shrezzers. And I don't know if that's like really an appropriate comparison. I don't know if anybody else would be hearing Dreamwake and think of Shrezzers. And maybe it's kind of just the, you know, the, the heaviness blended with saxophones here and there. But that's kind of just what was coming to mind when hearing virtual reality at different points. Um, I, I will say that there are some moments here and there where I feel like the material runs into certain roadblocks in terms of innovation. Um, so just to kind of give an example by the song Sleep Cycle, it kind of sounded to me like Dreamwake had shown the listener everything that their sound encompasses and by that point they were just sort of reusing concepts which is fine because i think everything that the band does st still sounds good but it was just this little nitpick thing that i could kind of point out as being like maybe a flaw with some of the album's flow um and then on the other end of that one of the coolest aspects of the record comes in the last three songs because of how they're all connected to each other um, when Paradise ends, it bleeds perfectly into Ethereal, which is a 48 second saxophone solo, and then that goes into Lucid, which sounds more spacious than anything else on virtual reality. It's, to kind of go off of what I was mentioning about the Papa Roach record just now, the perfect way to like really close out what well, wasn't even like a, a long experience. I think Dreamwake or, or virtual reality, I mean, is nine songs long so like there's not really a way to become bored of the material or become tired with it it doesn't really have enough time to make the listener tired of anything i, I think virtuality takes every minute of its runtime and really maximizes the potential for the most part like i said some moments here and there where i thought maybe there wasn't enough innovation done and not enough to really make some of the songs stand out, at least compared to like Luna or um, Paradise. But even then, there's still a lot of really, really cool stuff happening with virtuality. Um, because of the, the small scale that Dreamwake operate at right now, I don't know what the reach for this record is going to be. I don't know how many people are going to be listening to it, but it's not enough whatever that number ends up being um there's a lot to love about virtual reality there's a lot that i think people who are into metalcore can like really really sink their teeth into 
and it's a good time. It's a really, really good time, and I cannot recommend the album enough to anybody who is looking for something pretty good out of metalcore. Um, so because I just mentioned uh, the closing song of Virtuality being Lucid, I'm going to go ahead and use that as my segue for the next record, that being the new EP by Ali Slater called Lucid. For the most part, I wasn't familiar with Ali Slater before this year. Um, I did review one of the singles for this EP back in February called Over It, which features Jackie Vincent, who is probably most known for having been in Falling in Verse a while back. Um, so Over It was as good of an introduction to Ali Slater's material as I could have possibly ascertained. Um, it, so the week that it dropped, which is like, again, the middle of February, it didn't make Scenic Overlook but it almost did. It was so close and it was right there and I felt shitty not being able to include it because it is an amazing song. I love Over It. Um, I love how it's like really catchy and fun and embraces all of the qualities of pop rock that I look for in songs from that realm. Um, the opening song, Without You, has a great rhythm in the chorus that is only made better by Ali's amazing vocals. And I would say that is also prominent in the chorus that has like somewhat of a, a stop and start motion with the instrumentation. Um, the song Ring Shopping, that one has like, I, I guess a bit more of a hard rock flair to it. Not really, but kind of there. And Ali is once again able to take an idea like that and achieve the absolute most with it. it it's just like such a, a cool layer to what is already um, like a pretty incredible package with Lucid. Um, the song Kiss the Rain, that one takes the EP back into the pop rock category and again still exemplifies the prowess that I think Allie has already been able to showcase when it comes to her songwriting abilities. And then the closing song, which is the title track Lucid, it has so much in common, I would say, with some of the pop-punk revival female stars that I've gone on at lengths about before, like Maggie Linneman and Lolo and Charlotte Sands. To me, it's the perfect way to cap off this EP by bringing forth some of the catchiest moments on the entire record. Um, just this showcase of like why Ali is somebody who should be paid... Everybody should be paying attention to Ali, even though she's very early into her career, and I, I think Lucid is her first release, at least of like what is being shown to me on Spotify. Um, she's got she's got it down. She genuinely has got it down. She has all of the potential to be a star in our scene, and uh, this EP is kind of just like a like a glimpse into a window of what could be the massive star that eventually blossoms out of Ali Slater. And that's definitely what I'm hoping to see happen. She she can be something, guys. She really, really can. Let's look at the brand new album by Monument of a Memory. It is Harmony in Absolution. So admittedly, I didn't have a ton of knowledge about Monument of a Memory before learning who Will Ramos was last year when he joined Lorna Shore, um, because Will had previously been in this band. He's actually featured on one of the songs, which I'll get into in a little bit, but the existence of Will is what led me to the existence of Monument of a Memory in general. One of the most prominent moments of this album's rollout came last year when Seeking Somewhere dropped as a single, and I actually remember not totally fucking with the song that much back then and i'm not really even sure what my issue was because when i hear it back as part of the full album i i i think it hits it's actually really really good and to some degree it kind of dispels the preconceived notion i had about monument of a memory in the sense that i 
thought they were like this insanely heavy band kind of lingering between metalcore and deathcore. I don't really know why. I guess maybe just Will having been attached to them prior. That created, again, that preconceived notion, which ended up not being the case whatsoever. Um, when you press play on the opening song, Atrophy, clean vocals is what you f- hear first. And like exceptional clean vocals at that, guys. It's this really cool showcase of cleans that surpass anything I could have been expecting out of this record. Atrophy is so energetic and like it kind of shows you every side of metalcore possible in one song. Um, I think that theme reoccurs for later tracks in the album like Misdirection, Panic and Persuasion, Black Gold, and Rat. To me, uh, this album is metalcore personified. And I, I say that with the understanding for myself that like, I can implement my brain into any era of the genre that I have experienced in my fandom dating back two decades. And it fits right in. Like this album could have dropped in 2009. It fits 2012. It fits 2016. It fits 2018, 2020, 2022. Any single era, I feel like Monument of a Memory had a place with Harmony and Absolution. Um, I did mention that Will Ramos was featured on one of the songs, which that ended up being Victorious When the Devil Failed, which appropriately is the heaviest song on the album. To me, this is more in alignment with what I perceived Monument of a Memory to be. It is just like fucking face shattering uh, jaw punching, any sort of, you know, cliched phrase you can use to express heaviness in a track. That is what Victorious When the Devil Failed embodies in the best way possible. Um, there are two more songs that I really want to put on a pedestal from this album. The first one being Distilling Spirit. Um, I was not expecting Monument of Memory to get as slow and laid back and just melodic the way that they do with the stealing spirit it is a really cool uh venture away from what they had been doing for the songs prior and then the songs afterwards um it, it might not seem like on the surface that distilling spirit fits in with harmony and absolution but i would say that it definitely has a home here and then there is the song endless winter um Endless Winter is one of the coolest songs I've heard all year so far from any act in music. Um, what I what I said earlier about like metalcore personified, I don't think there is any single track on here that kind of gives off that energy and that vibe better than Endless Winter. There are so many layers to this song that just feel like like you're going through like a time machine of metalcore for the last decade, two decades, whatever. Um, just everything about Endless Winter speaks so thoroughly and thought-provokingly to what it is about metalcore that I love. You've got great screams, great cleans, the, the melody within it, you know, it can be heavy, it can be like soothing and catchy and beautiful. There's just so much about Endless Winter that I cannot get over. I've heard this song so many times over the last week, and I don't see any reason for me to stop that. Um... Overall, Harmony and Absolution, I don't really know what I even came into it expecting, but whatever it was, um, Monument of a Memory did everything that that they could to eclipse all that shit. Um, There's a lot to really, really take in about Harmony and Absolution and enjoy, and just kind of look at it as one of the more standout releases from Metalcore this year. I, I don't want to say one of the pillars of the genre at this point for 2022, but it's at least a record that I don't really understand how somebody could listen to this and not feel some kind of attachment to, whether it be good or bad. Like, it's impossible to hear this record without there being some kind of a strong reaction one way or the other. Um, for myself, it was overwhelmingly positive. I enjoyed this record a lot. I love it. I cannot wait to see what else Monument of a Memory do moving forward because they have my full undivided attention now. And finally, we have the last album of this episode, that being The Deep by Glasslands. Glasslands. 
So I want to start off in kind of a toxic way. Um, I, and I say that because I don't have anything else bad to say about this record. Um, so earlier this week, um, Sam from SOTS had asked on Twitter, what was everybody's favorite album of the year so far? And I gave kind of a, not really a spoiler answer because I gave a few different answers, but I normally would stay away from that topic because I like saving all my thoughts for the end of the year, but I did go ahead and give some kind of an answer. If you're curious about what I said on Twitter, go check it. Um, but Sam followed up that tweet by saying something along the lines of, uh, a lot of really cool answers here. And then he said, but so many of y'all have not listened to The Deep by Glasslands yet, or something of that effect. Um, I will say right now, I do not listen to this album and hear Record of the Year. That's just me being straight up. I don't hear that. What I hear is something really fun, really cool, really spiritual at times, maybe, um, and just an experience that I was so fortunate and thankful to have been able to relish in over the weekend. So this was another band whose album rollout I was very, very late to. I didn't have Glasslands in my peripheral until Mad was released as a single last month. And when I heard that song, there were so many different bands that were coming to mind all at once. Uh, like for as much star set as I could hear, there was also The Word Alive. And then there was also Bad Omens. But it was done in a way that still allowed Glasslands to have a real identity that steers away from those acts. Um, the opening song, Beggar, gives a better look into the metalcore nature of Glasslands that they're able to venture very, very, very well while showing personality and character, which is kind of something that can be lost on bands with that sound in metalcore. Um, and then there are more songs on the deep that showcase that like hard rock or less heavy metalcore style that mad encompassed those being like Mr. Creeps and secret and bury my flame. And what those selections of songs did to me, at least was show that had Glasslands operated only in this one section, the deep still would have been a really good album. But they took a lot of chances, they kind of played with a lot of different things, and it paid off immensely well. And the biggest example of that is the fifth track, Ghosts. And for me, Ghosts was a really easy choice for my favorite song off of this album. I love the atmosphere that it creates so much. It's daunting and chilling in ways that I would say are kind of similar to what like the plot and you did on Dispose and Swan Songs. Um, you get some moments that are kind of similar through Silent Prey, Liar, and I Can't Bend. And at that point, in my mind, the range found within Glassland is something that just cannot be denied. This band has their sound down. They know exactly who they are. They know what like these varying sounds that they're going for are and how it benefits them. They don't just like know how to make music. They know how to make music that is to their advantage and not en enough bands are able to do that now. I, I think so. Um, and then finally there is the closing song, let go, which is around seven minutes long and not for a single second is any bit of that runtime wasted or not focusing on the objective of leaving the listener with this unforgettable experience after having heard something as remarkable as The Deep. Um, Let Go is heavy while being enchanting and heart-tugging at the same time, and it is the best way that you could have closed this album out. And I just refer to The Deep as remarkable, and maybe that juxtaposes what I said earlier about it not being record of the year. Um... An album does not have to be in that echelon for me to say that it is a standout. And, you know, maybe it is one of the best albums of the year, and I'm just not really giving it enough credit as such. Maybe I need to hear The Deep more and more throughout the rest of the year. But having heard The Deep as many times as I have over last week, I, I think I'm at like four listens of it, maybe. Um, I really, really, really like everything that I got to hear. Um, it's a great record. It is something that shouldn't be missed by anybody who, you know, considers themselves to be part of the alternative scene. There's a lot here that is going to stick with you. I, I promise that. I don't really see how you can hear this album and not take one or a few moments with you at heart 
when venturing afterwards. Um, the deep is the deep is amazing. I, I I don't really know how else to really emphasize that. I like the deep a lot. Maybe there's room for it to grow on me even more than it's already at. And I think this is like a I think it was a nine point five out of ten in the reviews. Maybe. Um, and I'm acknowledging that there's still that potential for the deep to maybe elevate itself. Maybe I'm, you know, like eating my words in December and calling this like a top 50 record of the year. That's entirely possible. I don't deny that possibility. And we're just going to have to wait and see what the staying power of the deep is. But I have the feeling it is not going to take a lot for this album to stay my rotation for the rest of season two. And that was it. That was every album and EP and single from last week that I had to talk about. Um, so my life is kind of weird right now, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, there's some stuff I have control of and there's some stuff that I don't. So no matter what it is that's happening, um, this platform will still be a focus of mine. And it, it's designed to be that way. Ulterior is meant to be more than just this avenue for me to express my love for scene music. It's meant to be an escape. And I feel thankful to have something like this because not everybody does. And again, thank you guys for all the support you've ever shown me. Thank you for, for whatever reason, allowing me to get to 50 episodes of this thing. That's crazy. Uh, let's make the next 50 even better. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this record. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's not a fucking record. I'm going to start over. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.